Hi guys and welcome to another episode of Cine Scoop. So I know I promised this episode um, like a couple of weeks ago now but you know life uh, uh, finds a way and things get in the way. Um, uni and work being two of the big ones. So finally I've got round to being able to deliver this podcast episode which is all about the questionable decisions that the Academy Awards have made over the years and what with award season sort of starting to get a little bit of a buzz about it and it's starting to come up um, and with the Oscars in 2020 set to be one of the tightest races in history I thought it would just be good to reflect on some of the decisions that I and my mum who's here with me today say hi mum Hi. Hi. Um, that we've sort of picked up on over the years because there have been quite a lot um, where we've thought, why on earth did they pick that film, pick that actor um, over someone else, for example. So um, we're just going to be chatting about some of the personal travesties that uh, we've noticed pop up um in the academy awards over the years so if you want to um hear all about that then keep on listening and obviously remember these are just our personal opinions so it's fine to disagree it's all film and it's all subjective so don't worry about it it's not serious we're just having a little chat it's all good so keep listening if you want to and um we'll get straight to it So one of the things that we've always talked about and one of the things that we've always found really interesting and is sort of one of the most questionable things about the Academy Awards system is the popularity of certain genres and the influence that has over the decisions that are made. Um, So, for example, um, we've talked about the fact that horror barely gets a look in and especially in the acting category and how bad that is. Um, Recently, they've started to make amends with that, with Get Out and um, uh, actors from that being nominated. Um, But, you know, a lot of the performances, the really iconic performances from horror films in the past have been snubbed because the the film is branded as a horror and the Academy Awards panel over the years have always tended to overlook that so um which is really unfair because i feel like some of the best performances can be found in horror films i feel like one of the only exceptions to this rule is the fact that linda blair was nominated for the exorcist in 1973 which you know completely deserved but um she didn't win so it didn't really matter and um I feel like that's one of the the rare cases where um, a horror film has actually been recognised. Um, even nominated. Yeah, even nominated. Um, it's quite rare. So, yeah, and another thing, another th- genre that I find sort of weaves in and out of fashion is, like, the musical. And um, one of the... <laughs> to me, one of the most horrific mistakes in Academy Award history is the fact that Rex Harrison won for My Fair Lady in the 1965 Oscars over Peter O'Toole for um, Beckett slash Richard Burton for Beckett slash Peter Sellers for Dr. Strangelove. Any three of those performances could easily have won. But instead you got Rex Harrison winning purely, I think, because of the popularity of the musical. musical. Peter Sellers was playing three parts. Three parts. Like, he wasn't even... Like, to me, he should have won that. Yeah. Or even, alternatively, like, Beckett has recently become one of my favourite films. I feel like the performances from both O'Toole and Burton were astonishing, like completely glued you to watching that film and I just I just don't know how you can compare Rex Harrison and My Fair Lady 
Sure, fine. The acting ability yeah. required for a musical compared to, to what was required in, in the in those films. Yeah. It, you can't it, even compare it. No, I mean, going back to Peter Sellers, um, I didn't even know that it was the same man. Like, when I watched Doctor Strange for the first time, because it was one of the first Peter Sellers films I'd ever watched, probably the first one I'd ever watched. Yeah. And he plays, obviously the the British army officer and he plays the president and then he plays Doctor Strangelove and I my brain didn't work out that that was the same person and I know there's makeup and stuff but like usually you can tell and I think just because of the way he acted those three parts so completely differently my brain was just like oh there's no way that's the same guy before you watched it exactly yeah um and i had no idea so i think that's you know testament to how amazing that performance was by sellers um and it just baffles me that that was the decision that was made at the time but it's made so we can't really no you know um and the whole thing with musicals as well we recently saw it come back into fashion with La La Land which we both hated that film Um, and don't know what was musical about it to be honest No, there wasn't a lot of musical sections I was expecting a lot more of it to be musical Yeah, you know even down to some of the talking aspects of it I expected to be a bit more musical rather than have separate musical segments which didn't really tie into the film really in, no in I, my eyes. I feel like the musical segments in La La Land were just kind of chucked in yeah and I feel like they were trying to recapture you know the films of like the 40s 50s and 60s like the golden age and everyone thought was so swept up in the fact that there was this like really like nostalgic feeling musical that had just come out that they actually were blind to the fact that it actually wasn't very good like mm. at its core um it the the acting wasn't astonishing the performances were subpar in terms uh, of singing and dancing in my opinion and the actual storyline what happened at the end it, none of it made sense no i feel like it was a it was very wishy-washy and um yeah um but you know, you think about the times when musicals weren't in. So when Rocky Horror came out, Tim Curry didn't even get a look in for the best actor nod or the best supporting actor nod. And that's what you call acting in a musical. Yeah, and and really embodying a role and doing everything that a musical requires. And it's just, it was just because the musical as a genre had fallen severely out of fashion. And I think it's mad to think that that can have so much sway on who is even picked in a year yeah. to be up um, within the categories. Definitely. Um, it's the same with, like, Westerns. You know, Westerns were in in the 50s and 60s and, you know... Spaghetti Westerns. Yeah, they were sort of in their heyday and that meant that, you know, some people got snubbed. Um and this is kind of like more of a sympathy Oscar type thing, but and we'll come on to that a little bit later. But you know, the whole John Wayne True Grip, he won in nineteen the nineteen seventy ceremony for um for that film. And that meant that Dustin Hoffman for Midnight Cowboy got snubbed. Absolute joke. Which is just insane to me because I swear that's one of the best performances I've ever seen in a film. Most moving. Yeah. Absolutely, and um, it's it's just mainly because you know the westerns were in that last glory phase um, before they got picked up again with Clint Eastwood. Yeah, and with John John Wayne in particular <clears throat> had made so many films. Yeah, all being westerns. Yeah, which they'd never even considered nominating before mm-hmm. because they didn't think. The Western itself was worth nominating. You know, John Wayne missed out every every film that he made, and yeah. so you you sort of go go onto the sympathy side. But even then, the fact that he he won for it really was was a sympathy Oscar. Yeah, it was the Western itself 
True Grit's a great film, but yeah, no, it, there's no way in comparison to, to Justin Hoffman that he should have won. Yeah, and I feel like because Midnight Cowboy was sort of focused on a touchy subject that was kind of like unheard of for the 60s yeah, in America, they were just like, oh, we'll give it to, you know, a nice, good, old-fashioned American Western, yeah. which is... You know, American guy, all American. Yeah, guy. that whole thing. Um, I feel like it was the easy option, um, but in actual fact, who, in terms of who was up that year and who should have won, it should have been Dustin Hoffman. Have. Um, and you know, I think it was the whole thing of you know Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was out, and the popularity of that, that and the fact that westerns were having that last like resurgence. Um, they just thought, well, we'll just we'll do it now. Uh, yeah. We'll give John Wayne the Oscar, um, and that sort of brings us on to the idea of the sympathy Oscar, um, the idea that uh, someone who should have won a long, long time ago didn't, due to some circumstances, and um, it means that people, unknown. circumstances yeah. unknown, yeah, and that people, well. We do know what they were. People in the Academy Awards panel making absolutely disgusting yeah. decisions. Yeah. Um, and that means that people that are up at the time that are more deserving of it lose out. So um, we'll be talking more about the um, Sympathy Oscar in just a moment. So uh, uh, let's get our, our irritation and absolute frustration uh, sorted out. And we'll be back on that subject in a second. So I think one of the main issues with the Oscars has been this whole sympathy over standout and this like battle for people winning deservedly versus people getting an Oscar years later for something that they... You know, they've only just made. Yeah. When they're very close to the end of their career. Yeah, and when they should have actually won years and years, years ago. ago. Um, I think we talk about this a lot. Yeah. One of the biggest travesties for me was the fact that Art Carney won in 1975 for Harry and Tonto. Don't know I mean, what that is. No, you've seen it. Let's be honest. And that meant that Al Pacino lost out for The Godfather Part 2. That's the biggest one of all for me. Yeah, me too. I just feel like you can forgive almost him not winning for the first film. But his performance is so astonishing in the second second one, one. Yeah, That it just baffles me that the panel at the time thought... Time's right to give Art Carney this Oscar. Yeah, definitely. It's not like it was a dry category either because you yeah. had uh, Dustin Hoffman up for Lenny in the same year. Uh, who, who again could have won for that? Very um, and easily. I, and I'd have been quite happy. Yeah. With that. I'd have been happy as well, like because again, an amazing performance. Um, and, you know, the fact that Al didn't win. Then for The Godfather Part 2 meant that he won in 1992 for Scent of a Woman, which, don't get me wrong, amazing performance. Um, But it was, like, 20 years too late, in my opinion. And it ended up being the case where people like Robert Downey Jr. didn't win for Chaplin, or alternatively, um, Denzel Washington didn't win for Malcolm X. Both up and coming actors who deserve the Oscar. Massive performances. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. in particular, if you haven't seen Chaplin, it's an amazing film. Yeah. Like, it's a brilliant film. and But so is Lenny. So yeah. for those of you who haven't seen that, it's worth checking out. Yeah, I feel like Lenny's one of those like underground films that like not a lot of people have no. watched. And it's directed by Bob Fosse as well, which you wouldn't expect. Because no. you think of Bob Fosse as like this, you know, Dance. Chicago yeah. and, and cabaret. But um, it's just this um, edgy black and white film about a comedian that's... Raw. Yeah. It's raw. It's, it's really, really um, earthy. And yeah. 
And I think Dustin puts in like such a high energy, like frazzled performance. He just draws you in completely. And I would have been perfectly fine with him winning yeah. over Art Carney. I, who... I know who Art Carney is. I'm old, but <laughs> I still don't recall that film. No, I don't think many people do. And I feel like, you know, the fact that Al didn't win is just a huge travesty. Yeah. Um, and it, and then it meant that because um, Denzel didn't win for Malcolm X, he then had the sympathy Oscar in 2002 for Training Day, which a lot of people say was just like a nothing film. that Because it has a domino effect. Yeah. It has a bearing on future Oscars. Mm-hmm. What they do in present Oscars has a bearing on future Oscars. Yeah. And, and this is what they don't realise when mm-hmm. they're making the decisions. Yeah. And they've sort of said, like, we've sort of said before, maybe they should think about the ramifications of their decisions at the time Definitely. a little bit more, rather than going on what seems to be, in their opinion, the easiest decision or the most current decision. Yeah. They don't actually look at what it takes to act no. in the film. No, and and that's what that's why, as we were saying before, the the sway of genre and that kind of thing have such a weird bearing on it, um, and why it shouldn't. Um, no, because one of our massive issues with the award season this year is the fact that indie films aren't really getting a look in, particularly The Lighthouse. Yes, which is said to be some of the best performances for Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. And like career changing yeah, performances. Yeah, like a huge deal for both of them. And the fact that, you know, the the predictors of the Oscars at the moment isn't including the film at all is a really just, it's a bad sign. And it's sad because just because it's like a lower budget indie film means that, you know, the panel won't consider it. And I just yeah. think it's ridiculous. It is. Um, and this is the whole issue. I feel like de- decisions need to be thought about a little bit more. Yeah. And, like, the ramifications of the decisions. I know we're talking about this like it's some fucking, like, UN, like, crisis thing. But, but you it know, is important. It's important because, the you know, the medium of film is incredibly important. Yes, and it's... it's- keeps you you know it's it's entertainment Mm. you know you go and watch a film it gives you that escapism that you need and you want it to be recognized if you see a decent you know performance in a film you need you want that to be recognized and a lot of the time i don't think they look at particularly anything british no Uh, that's been ignored in the past um, and British actors have been ignored in yeah. the past. I feel like they're only really starting to put British actors um, or non-American actors on yes. a level playing field with American actors. Yes. For example, like Gary Oldman and Eddie Redmayne winning in recent years. Um, and they're only two of years and years oh, yeah. of, of, oh, of actors. 100%. Um, I, yeah, I feel like that's a real problem and that comes into... Um, play a little bit another sympathy thing that always bothered me um, was the fact that because Dustin Hoffman didn't win for Midnight Cowboy in 1969 he won for Kramer vs Kramer in 1980 great performance does not match up to what he did in Midnight Cowboy in my opinion Um, which meant that Peter Sellers lost out for being there which is just it's a travesty. It is. The worst. The worst kind. Yeah, because it was, you know, it it would have been time for Peter Sellers to get a sympathy Oscar. Yes. Because he was like a year from death and he hadn't won for Doctor Strangelove in the first place and this was like... British. 26 years on. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of like bias thing. Um... And it it was just it it just doesn't make any sense to yeah. me, especially because the nuances of Peter Sellers' performance and and the road that he went down with that whole thing it was just like so somebody difficult. Who was Ill. Somebody who was like yeah, and you know in 
in Tropic Thunder they say never go full retard um, iconic <laughs> but like he didn't it was kind of like more nuanced than that and it was this really understated performance that was like half comedic half heartbreaking and it was just <sighs> I don't feel as though you can compare a film that is about a marriage breakup I'm sorry, it no. just doesn't translate as something that requires a huge amount of acting. Because a marriage breakup is a marriage breakup. I, I think any actor can do a marriage breakup. They're, they're taught that in on day one of learning how to mm. act. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Having a one on one argument yeah. with your co star. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I think it. It's very easy, and I know that there hadn't been many films like Kramer versus Kramer before, where they looked yeah. at it so in depth. But I think that you know, had Dustin won it ten years earlier when he should have, um, then Peter Sellers would have got it deservedly for being there. Um, and it's just a shame because that means that Peter Sellers never won. He never won. Because um, as I said, he died the year after being there was made. So real shame yeah it is it is a shame and these are the kind of things i mean i'm not i know that the academy award panel can't magically predict that you know someone's gonna die the year after that decision's made but it's just important to think that these things have a bearing and it's important to to recognize somebody at the time at the time because yeah it was really demoralising for because I've read I've read a lot about Peter Sellers and it was incredibly demoralising for him to lose that Oscar at that time in, in his life um, so yeah it's just that it's just unfortunate it is um, and I think the same goes for people like Peter O'Toole and Richard Burton never won no neither of them British again yeah well Irish, Irish, British, um, and the fact that one of the Oscar decisions that's always really like torn me has been um, the fact that Peter O'Toole was up in the 1963 ceremony for Lawrence of Arabia for Best Actor, um, and Gregory Peck won for To Kill a Mockingbird, and I love Gregory Peck and I love To Kill a yeah, Mockingbird. We love him. And his performance is great. We love him. He's great. He's great. Um, but do I think that it took the kind of acting effort and dedication that Lawrence of Arabia did? No, because no. if you compare what they had to go through, you take a year to two years out to go and film on location in, mm. in a country that you don't know. You don't know anything about yep. about that country, and you're stuck there. You have to cope with the weather. Yeah, it's very much like the Revenant in that respect. What they what the actors had to do to film that. Yeah, it's like you have to completely adapt to a new environment. I mean, Peter Peter O'Toole had to to learn how to ride a camel. Yeah, it's like um, learning how to speak the language yeah. and everything. Yeah, like you t- you're taking on a whole new. It's not just an acting role. You're taking on a whole new life for a year to two years. Yeah. You know, I think that requires a little bit more than just standing up in the courtroom. Yeah. And and if if it had been if they'd have been in different years, I always say this, but if they'd yeah. have been in different years, I would have loved to kill a mockingbird to win and Gregory Peck to win. Yeah. But when you put it up against something like Lawrence Arabia, which people like Martin Scorsese have said is like the Best. one of the best films of all time made, yeah. one of the best performances of all time it's a little bit disappointing frustrating yeah um, and you know that's just that's just kind of the, the way of it though isn't it and yeah you know we can it's frustrating because we can go on about it as much as we want nothing will change no. it's not like we can rewrite it and you know people can get their Oscars revoked because we made this podcast it would be nice it would be nice we like to debate it though yeah and I think um, it is important to just go back and reflect on people's performances and people not getting what they deserved and especially then... if there's some people that haven't seen some of the films and the performances that yeah. have, have uh, you know it, 
it'd be great great if if somebody heard this and went and watched yeah like being there or something like that because that's a film that i don't think gets any credit doesn't get talked about um same as beckett really i don't i think it's eclipsed by the films that won yes um it's always the same though isn't it yeah and and it's like and i'm so that's why i'm so glad that La La Land didn't actually win. <laughs> it was a win. good job. Uh, Moonlight won. Yeah, Moonlight um, was a great film. Yeah, and I ju- I'm just glad because it. Otherwise, you know, films get to tend to get swallowed up by the winners in that year. Um, so yeah, it is. It is nice to just go back, see what the competition was, and and sort of allow them to get credit that they did deserve yeah they just didn't win so so i thought we'd just have a cute little segue into people that we thought should have been nominated but never were and i'd like to start with the biggest travesty for me which was Malcolm McDowell not being nominated for A Clockwork Orange in 1971. Yeah. Um, the film was nominated. And Kubrick, Kubrick was nominated, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think he was up for director that year. Um, which is surprising because everyone was like, oh, it's such a controversial, violent film. Like, like let's ban it. He literally it. pulled it from the cinemas. Yeah, in the UK because yeah. it caused, like, um, copycat. Like, we were always riots. told it was a film we should never watch in my youth. Well, there you go. They still put it up for the Oscars. Yeah. But they didn't nominate Malcolm McDowell. No. And which... it was such a great performance. Yeah. Um... I'd say it's, it's one of those where you... It, it is such a good performance that you actually feel sorry for that person, even though they're playing somebody that is a psycho. Yeah, I think it's the fact that Malcolm McDowell could bring that shade and light and those like nuances of like, oh, he's this horrible sociopath, doesn't feel anything, rapes people, murders people. But then towards the end of the film, you're rooting for him. And I think that's. I love that. Yeah. I feel like that's partially down to the source material with um, Burgess's story. Yeah, but the book was amazing. I feel like. McDowell really brought it to life. He did. Um, and I just think it's mad that he wasn't nominated Didn't for that film. Didn't even get nominated. What's that about? I don't know. Um, it haunts me, mm. to be honest, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, mm. But yeah, and and then um, we were, we've been talking about horror and the fact that that as a genre never gets recognised so the, there are a lot of people that subsequently didn't get nominated for films um, yeah because the board clearly think it doesn't require much much amounts of acting to, to act in them yeah I think people just, they just think oh they just run about and scream yeah. and act crazy and that's it's really hard yeah, it's very do. difficult it's very difficult um, and um I think that one of the ones that recently uh, shook me up was the fact that Bill Skarsgård wasn't nominated for it in 2017 as Best Supporting Actor. I was expecting a nod. I wasn't expecting him to win. No. But a nod would have been nice. Yes, it would, because that's not easy. No. By any stretch of the imagination. And To bring a character to life that's been in a book and been loved in a book, yeah. Just for so long by so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, Including uh, us. Yeah, and to take on what Tim Curry did as well. Yeah, and, and to make it his own, you know, while still holding true to the character. Yeah. Amazing. Um, Should have had a nod. Baffled that he didn't get any credit for that. Because uh, we just, like, audibly gasped when he, like, started talking. We were just like, oh, this is perfect. Oh, it was. Um, So funny and so utterly revolting at the yeah, same time gross. And absolutely it's gross really hard to be able to master that it is. To, you know Tim Curry did it and did. terrifying 
Like, yeah. you get the stuff of nightmares. Yeah. And that's, that's what you want, because that book is the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing where you sort of... It makes you laugh, but it also makes you really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and I think that was... And the kids were great. I think yeah. I preferred... My personal opinion, the first part was better. Yeah, but, same. Um, I thought the kids were awesome yeah I just thought they were brilliant um, um uh, but i do think they they can't they've got a thing about horror they just yeah. don't like showing any sort of um you know they don't seem to recognize it as a genre in, as a part of acting no. i mean jack nicholson we mentioned didn't get a nod i don't know whether you got a nod but even if you did he didn't win the yeah. shining no, he didn't get a nomination for The Shining, no. Ridiculous. Again, um, a complete psycho. Yeah. And, you know, there's the whole thing where, you know, Stephen King wasn't a huge fan of the Kubrick adaptation of no. The Shining. And I get it because it does... When you read the book, it does feel like Jack Nicholson went full psycho too soon. Yeah. But also, that was the nature of Kubrick's adaptation. Yes, it um, had to be done in a certain amount of time, and really, you couldn't do it like as well as as the book did it because he had a massive backstory, Jack Torrance. Yeah, and it couldn't be that much of a slow burner. No. So for the time that Jack Nicholson was given, he did really well. Yeah. And I just think it's just one of those unforgettable performances. Not everyone's seen The Shining. Everyone quotes Jack's lines from yeah. it. And, it, you know, even if he didn't win, a nomination would have been nice. I mean, he's a favourite with the board. He wins yeah. a lot, but he didn't win for that. No, because and it's a horror film. Yeah. <laughs> and especially, I think, in the 70s and 80s, horror was just like a no-no for yeah, the Academy. definitely, because it was being made a lot. Yeah, and, it, you know, boundaries were starting to be pushed with it, people being really experimental. And, you know, there was this upsurge of American horror literature with Stephen King and Anne Rice and, yes. you know, people like that. Um, and the Academy just weren't having it. So um, I think it was because they couldn't distinguish between a genuinely good film and one of the 80s slasher films. They just yeah. put them all in the same... They just they just dismissed everything, yeah. I think. Because which... the 80s slasher film was that common. There was one being made, like, every month. Yeah. That they just put them all in the same thing and yeah. didn't include them in anything. And that has continued to this day, though. Mm. The fact that they ignore horror that has continued to this day. I think it's good that films like Get Out are being recognised yeah. and, you know, there's been talk about how good A Quiet Place was and... Um, you know, us. and us, yeah, the fact that Lupita's in talks to be up for Best Actress for us, it's great. It's about time. I'm glad that they're finally it's being... Taken a while, it's it? taken a long time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and I think this is more of, like, a personal one as well, but um, with regards to horror, I feel like really a horror film no it's more psychological but I think that Tim Robbins should have been nominated for Jacob's Ladder say what you will I don't care I think it was a really really good performance the thing is he is the type of actor that makes you feel sorry for him in everything yeah like he's just got that face that you feel sorry for him all the time it doesn't matter what he is in yeah because it when he won Mystic River you felt sorry for him Shawshank Redemption, obviously that wasn't given anything. Ridiculous. He, he still, you still felt sorry for him all the way through. Yeah. He, he always take sort of gets that typecast of a, of a downbeat character. Yeah. And he plays it so well. And that's the thing, like, he just really just tugs at your heartstrings. Yeah. And I think that he should have been up for that and he should have been up for Shawshank. Um, Definitely. Shawshank got completely ignored. Ignored. I mean, people talk about it now like it's one of the best films best of all time, ever. but when it yeah. came out... It was ignored. It was a flop. It was a huge flop. Yeah, it was. Which is mad to think about because it's such an astonishing film. And it's very close to the book. Yeah, um, it is very close to the book. And I I loved Jacob's Ladder, just returning to that. I I thought it was so weird and twisted and cool. I was like, oh, this is like... It was a good film. Yeah, I feel like just because it was one of those like indie things at the time, again, we're still seeing the same problem. Um, it, 
a, a great performance was subsequently ignored. Yeah. Because um, you can say what you want about the film. The film has its highs and lows, and I feel like some they said of... it was a flop. Yeah, when it, it came it? out. Now it's sort of more of a, a cult classic. Um, but yeah, I feel like Tim Robbins was like the glow of that film. Like he managed to keep you caring about the guy. Yeah. Because with the story that messed up, you could easily have just got um, disassociated with it and and just thought, no, I'm yeah. not interested in this. It's too much. It's it's too muddy. I don't know what's happening. But Tim Robbins made you like keep watching. Yeah, he was good in it because you felt like you needed to know what had happened to this guy and you needed to know where he was going and all of that kind of thing. Um, again, horror. Mia Farrow wasn't nominated for Rosemary's Baby, which absolute travesty. Like, oh, this podcast is like it's stressing me out to record because yes, and me. I can't believe she wasn't nominated for Best Actress for that film. The stress she was under, and the, you know the end scene, like her eyes are literally like bulging out of her head when she's telling them like. Like you maniacs! Like what is what, this? What have you what done have to I him? Done? Oh, um, it's horrible! And it's her acting is just amazing. Um, and it's just this poor innocent woman that's just like roped into it. It's terrible. Yeah, and it's that whole paranoia thing as well. She's able to play yeah so so well. Um, and then you know again. She got a sympathy Oscar years later, um, and it's just like well, it's like thirty years too late because Rosemary's Baby is a really incredible performance in my opinion, and you know it's easy to go. Well, it was Polanski's vision, you know, and the film itself was amazing, and I think he was up for best director and best film that year, um, which rightly so, yeah, because it's a cracking film. Um, but to ignore the bones of it, which is Farrow's performance, is wrong, in my opinion. Yeah, it's very wrong. Can't and just again because it, it's purely because it's horror. There is no other reason for it. No, we know that. But then um, Ruth Gordon won Best Supporting Actress for it. Yeah, and it's just like, huh? Why? Like. She was great. She was great, but what did she actually do? Yeah, I mean, not she, a lot. No, she just, she just gave Mia Farrow some weird herby milk. Yeah, and went round and to make sure she was uh, staying put. Yeah, and you know, that's rude. We're being rude to Ruth because <laughs> she's a great actress, and you know, she was a writer and she was in television and and all of that kind of thing. I feel like. They just went, you've done so much for American television and film, we're going to give you this Oscar because you deserve it. Um, but then to not even nominate Mia Farrow for that, that film just seems such a... No, dis- to me, that's a, that, that was a, the highlight of her career. Yeah, and it was like one of the first films. <laughs> yeah, and, and one of the best. Yeah. So it should have been given at the time. Yeah. This is why, this is what we're saying, they don't do it at the right time. No, they don't. Um... And then the last one that I wanted to point out is a personal one. Um, but um, recently, Stan and Ollie came out, um, and that was last. Oh no, that was this year. <laughs> oh God. I, we also said um, about Gone Girl. Oh, oh yes. Oh, how could we forget? Yeah. Again, that's kind of like not horror, but psychological. She's playing a psychopath, and Rosamund Pike was. Incredible in that role. Especially if you've read the book, you'll know how incredible she was. Yeah, I feel like they went with the easier option, which was Julia Moore for Still Alice. Um, I haven't seen that film, to be completely honest. Neither have I. I'm not going to comment on it, but I know for a fact that I don't think it would have required the amount of acting. Yeah, I feel like (sighs) Gone Girl would have been more of a gutsy decision by the board. Yeah. Um, and it's just a shame because Rosamond was amazing and like she just completely embodied Amy Dunn. Yeah, she did. 
the absolute mindfuck of that whole film and of the character herself. And let's think about the amount of British actors who are now being asked to play Americans. You think about the amount of British actors who are now playing American roles, that they're not getting Americans into to actually act. You've got Will Poulter playing every American in every film. <laughs> every American <laughs> like, person ever. And it's just, just getting ridiculous, really. They're, they're, they're running out of their own actors, but yeah. then they don't recognise our actors when they come in and they do really good performances. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, 90% of, like, the Midsummer cast was, like, British. Yes. You had Florence Pugh and Will Poulter. Yeah, but you would never know. No. I mean, this is the thing. And it, Will Poulter has just been... Amazing, yeah. and anything he does, and he's gonna win. He'll definitely day. win in the future. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Um, and speaking of, well, not really an English person playing an American person, but like English people that aren't recognised. As I was saying, um, Stan and Ollie, um, I think John C. Riley was, was nominated, wasn't he, for best actor? I think he was at the Academy Awards. But Steve Coogan wasn't. And it was about Laurel and Hardy. Baffling. Um, And I think it is a bit of an issue because Steve Coogan was up at the BAFTAs, but John C. Riley wasn't. No. And So you could say the same thing. You could say the exact same thing. We didn't nominate an American person. Do you know what I mean? But then again, Leo DiCaprio won for the Revenant for for the BAFTA. Yeah. Like, we still recognise Americans. Yeah, we do. Um, but I do think British people take prevalent. It depends on the play. Like I think yeah. at the BAFTAs, British people still take prevalence, um, and I think that's an issue in terms of like that awards everywhere need to sort out. Um, but I feel like if you're going to give them mixed, then make sure it's mixed. Don't just have one where yeah. you have like one that's nominated that's like British and that's it because as I say a lot of British people are now playing Americans a lot yeah yeah more so than I've seen for a long time yeah um I feel like it was a bit of a for for a film about a double act who were more American than anything yeah I mean you know Stan Laurel was from Lancashire, but he had like an Anglo-American accent. They were American double act. Yeah. Like the whole time. Yeah. They, the whole career was in America. Yeah. The film was based on what happened when they came back here because their career was failing in yeah. America. And I feel like Steve Coogan was really good. Yeah, that. he was amazing. I mean, I know I'm biased because I'm like a like self-proclaimed. Yeah, you are. Poor. He was Coogan good fan. in it. He was brilliant, and it would have been nice for him to have a nomination, considering at like, least. a lot of people just went on about John C. Riley, and it's like, well, it's a partnership. You can't, you know, they held each other up and they yeah. nursed each other through the film. And I feel like Steve Coogan's nature is an impressionist, and I thought that he captured Stan Laurel like astonishingly he well. Did. And you, you said like as soon as he opened his mouth, you were like. Everything. It's, it's Stan Laurel. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, so yeah, um, I think those are like the immediate people that jump out um, for who should have been nominated but weren't. Um, so yeah, I feel like um, from that we had a few that we were just like, "How did this happen?" We had a few more people that were just like, "It's travesty." Yeah. For example. For example, um, Lorraine Bracco not winning for Goodfellas, um, Best Supporting Actress uh, in 1991. I don't even know the person who won. No. Don't I? I don't have no memory of who won that year for that award. But it should have been Lorraine Bracco because <laughs> she was amazing in Goodfellas. I love Karen. I love the character. Feel like she kind of stole the whole film. Yes. Yeah, but I. didn't because Joe Pesci's in it and he stole the film. But. But he won. Yeah, he won, and she should won because yeah. she was so good. Um, and we briefly talked about uh, Leo and the Revenant, and you know, winning the BAFTA. But um, he should have won an Oscar a lot earlier than the Revenant, in my opinion. 
I do feel like as good as The Revenant was and as much work went into it um, and how challenging it was to film. It's been in better films. And it was kind of a sympathy Oscar yeah, still. Again. He could have won for Wolf of Wall Street. He could have won for Shutter Island. The only reason he didn't win for Wolf of Wall Street because Matthew McConaughey was in the same category in the same year for Dallas Buyers Club and that was... Amazing. Amazing. Like, we were like, this is a travesty before. And then we watched Dice Spice Club. Club and we were like, oh no. Wow. Um, yeah, you deserve that. <laughs> yeah, he did. It's a shame they were both in the same year. Yeah. Um, but he should have won a lot earlier than he did. Yes. Um, Shorter Island. Just so, so many films. Departed. Departed, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's just shown so much earlier. Yeah. Um, although the Revenant, he was completely deserving. It was because he didn't even. His, he had like two lines in the entire film. The rest of it was just like grunting and pain. Yeah. Because um, that's exactly what he went through. Yeah, and I can't argue with it. No. Astonishing, but a little bit too late, in my opinion. Um, as well as that, um, I thought that. Um, Peter O'Toole <laughs> we keep going back to Peter O'Toole I love Peter O'Toole so much yeah she does um, but um, The Lion in Winter 1968 cracking film um, didn't didn't win thought he should have guess who won that year Cliff Robertson ah. for Charlie who? who the fuck is Cliff Robertson never heard of him to this day no I mean I get if you love Cliff Robertson I am sorry if you're listening I apologise but I don't know who he is I have no knowledge of this man no um I don't know what it was in I have no desire to see what it was no because the gravitar of Peter O'Toole's performance in The Lion in Winter is just insane like the chemistry he has with Catherine Hepburn the fights they have yeah insane it's such a good film it is a great film and they were like Cliff Robertson come on down yeah get your Oscar don't don't know him to this day okay and then um another one that bothers me is everyone goes on about and this is from someone whose favourite film is The Godfather Everyone goes on about Marlon Brando winning Best Actor for The Godfather in 1973. Um, he is, it's a great performance, it's an iconic performance. But let's look at the other people who were up that year Michael Caine and Laurence Olivier for Sleuth, which is an amazing film, which is literally just set in one room and it's just like complete dialogue like yeah. these two personalities just warring against each other and the performances from both of them are Oscar worthy oh just astonishing I can't especially Laurence Olivier he was incredible and and then you had again I know but you had Peter O'Toole up for the ruling class which was uh, to me that's who should have won out yeah. of all of them because that took more personality changes in one film. <laughs> it was like he went from playing a lord to Jesus Christ <laughs> to Jack the Ripper and he sang several yeah, musical and numbers. I've like, never seen anything done in a film, in it, one film. It was just a marvel it to was. behold. Um, it was. And, you know, Brando as Vito It's Corleone iconic. Is iconic. That's why you got it, because it was iconic. And he didn't want the award himself. So, uh, you know, that made it even more of a frustrating thing to happen for for the other people. And the fact that he didn't care whether he won it and he didn't want it anyway. So, you know, that that made it the whole thing a farce. Yeah. I mean, I understand, you know, he was using it as a form of protest or, you know, a relevant issue in the film industry at the time. But, like... People were robbed People <laughs> subsequently. Were robbed. Um, Peter O'Toole and Laurie, Larry Olivier springing instantly to mind. And um, finally, um, I feel that we've we've talked about Al Pacino and the fact that he didn't win for The Godfather Part 2. Arguably, 
that is the biggest travesty. But if you look at who won for Best Supporting Actor the year prior for the for the year that The Godfather was up, it was Joel Grey for Cabaret. Now, I will say that the MC, Joel Grey, is the best part of Cabaret, in my opinion. Do I think he should have won over the likes of James Caan and Al Pacino for Best Supporting Actor? No. No. And I, I think that, again, comes back to the the idea of genre. Um, I think genre will play a big part on this year's as well. Do you think? Because it's going to be a very close race. Yeah. This year. I'm worried. And we both have our favourites, and I feel like it's just going to be... Uh, I'm really tempted. Joaquin has to win for Joker. <laughs> Al Pacino has to win for the Irishman. <laughs> if not, I will be absolutely devastated. <laughs> I feel like they both deserve it so much. I wish Al Pacino. I feel should... like they both deserve it, but Joaquin deserves it more. That's a very controversial thing to say on my podcast, Mum. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> so true. Well. I beg to differ. I feel like Al should win, but we'll leave that at that. Um, but it's been very good to reflect on the Oscars as a as an entity in the race for the 2020 Oscars. I think it's always good to look back and reflect. And as I said at the beginning, these are just our opinions. Um, if you think that cliff robertson should have won <laughs> in in uh 1969 for charlie or whatever the film was called good on you yeah um that's great love to hear from you about it may yeah. even watch the film i won't but um you know it's just it's all subjective yeah. and that's that's the good thing about film it's all subjective and these are just things that we've talked about in the past and we've accumulated like a little list of things that have really 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 annoyed us like yeah. the decisions that have really annoyed us over the years and we just so thought much. that we'd we'd chat about it because yeah. you know so hopefully you enjoyed it um if you have any um burning opinions that you want to share please. please message me at saxondales on twitter i'd love to know if you want to argue with me about um cliff robertson and charlie then go ahead i'll, I'll have a so. i'll have a nice little debate about it with you um but thanks for listening you guys and um hopefully i'll see you i won't see you i say this every week i say i'll see you in the next one I guess I'll hear you in the next one. Um, but thanks for listening to Cine Scoop and uh, catch you in the next episode. Say bye, Mom. Bye. Bye.